the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking to all things financial, money, investing, and more. One of the things that I like to do is, is pay attention to trends. And believe it or not, not blow them off. Even when they look a little bit ludicrous, even when they don't make sense to me, I get in, I check it out. I'll talk a little bit more about Bitcoin because clearly that's something that people want to talk more about. I'll talk about Generation X. I did that for many, many years. Now Generation X, not as important, which is interesting to note. Uh, we talk about the trend of faster, cheaper, smaller technology, no doubts. Uh, one of the ones that hit me pretty interestingly is younger people. And it's always because I remember being young and wanting things and almost having this, for lack of a better word, demand need for it. The gratification is probably the right way of saying that, right? So every now and then you hear about a Generation Z, you'll hear about millennials. I'm about to drop one on you that I want you to start paying attention to. It's a little bit too early, but here's the buzzword. Generation Alpha. Came across this and I was like, okay, let's talk about this. Let's think about this. Will this be an investment theme? Let's, again, the millennials, let me give you an example of the theme that I'm, I'm getting at with millennials first and foremost. Um, Visited a friend who was millennial. Uh, she was going through a breakup. And as we were talking, I was like, hey, I'm going to go to your fridge, grab a soda or something. And I opened a fridge and all there was in it was books. Oh, no, not books. <laughs> that would have been interesting. Alcohol. And I was like, whoa. Uh, I looked at her cupboards and all there was was rice. I'm like, what's up with you, strange lady? And she goes, I, I like my fresh, my food fresh. So every meal she would eat essentially was fresh food. So that opened the door for things like organic grocery stores, like Sprouts, Whole Foods. She wanted fresh food. She's the same one that wanted orange juice never, ever, ever from a carton. Had to be fresh squeezed at the restaurant. She's the same one that... Um, when it came time to getting rid of books, she wanted to get rid of all of her books. She wanted no cables. She wanted no wires. She wanted no books. She wanted nothing to store. It was a very powerful, poignant just image with me. Um, my generation, we didn't want to work for other people. We wanted to be entrepreneurs. We didn't want to, you know, maybe... We didn't mind if things were made in Japan or made in Indonesia or made in Thailand and then eventually made in 
China because it represented toys to us, which is the the way the chain went at one point in time. When I was six years old, my favorite toy was made in Japan. Then it became made in Indonesia. And by the time I was 18, everything was being made in China. So we consumed from foreign countries and we didn't think twice about it. All generations are a little bit different. For the record, I'm Generation X. And for instance, when I got into the financial world, I wanted to do financial media that was honest and kind of debunked some of the conventional wisdom. So Generation Alpha fascinates me. Right now, I just saw my first survey that is talking about part of the future. Generation Alpha favors basketball, football, and soccer, while interest in baseball remains low. The number one participation sport and second in fandom in general in the United States is now soccer. The participation side doesn't really offend anyone. We kind of expect that. Moms grow up watching their husbands uh, watch football on Saturdays and Sundays, and they see too many concussions. They're like, I don't want my kids to play football. I get that one. And the American soccer is preferred because there's just quite as much, much as career-ending spine injuries in soccer as there is in professional football. So Generation Alpha is those who are born after 2013. Whoa. I just put it in terms for you, right? Generation Z is anyone born between ages 13 and 23. Uh, anyone ages 13 to 23. So somewhere in between Alpha and Generation Z, like, whoa. And if you think about it, my kids who are most kind of sort of generation Z uh, I spend on whatever they need if they need new jeans we go to at one point in time it was the low end then we went to the mid end and down the road as they turn into teenagers they're gonna say I, I don't want the low end I want Nikes I don't want the low end I want Lululemon I don't want and it's gonna be what fights do you let them win what fights do you let them lose but they're spending money right now, like like pirates. <laughs> they're enjoying life to the, the largest. So Generation Z, ages 13 to 23, they're the group you could invest with now. Not as a financial advisor, but they're the group you could look at their spending habits and say, that's going to that's gonna play out. Generation Alpha, it's going to take a little bit longer. But start paying attention anytime you hear the phrase. So I'll add the phrase Generation Alpha to my Google word search. And if there's any business stories that crop up that are relevant, I start researching then. It makes sense. Soccer has been dubbed the sport of the future in the United States for a while. It's starting to manifest itself. The firm that did the research spoke with 2,000 parents and focused on youth no older than eight. For context, um, Apple's first iPad came out in 2010. So again, we're starting to define generations as, oh, they didn't have cell phones. Oh, they didn't have iPads. Back when I was born, we had to use really small phones that communicated all around the world. You can already see the jerk dad, right? We only had a five inch phone. We didn't have a 14 inch iPad. 73% of parents are encouraging their kids to play sports. 65% encourage them to be sports fans. You can see a lot of research kind of year like, yeah, that yada, 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 and you skip right by it. 
but you're seeing more interest among young adults in soccer internationally and to a certain extent the MLS. That's pretty good. I don't have the kind of money to buy an MLS franchise, but I'll take a look at who the sponsors are. Because the sponsors are who the Generation Alpha is going to be staring at when they're watching the games. And it could be the Sony PlayStation 5 is the obvious. Um, but you get the idea. If there's a brand like a Lululemon, I'll go, okay. These guys have enough money to reach the customers that they want. I wouldn't say that it's a no-brainer. But I would say that I think you'd be wise to start looking for it. The NFL has always done like lots of little experiments. And they seem to be doing well with Generation Alpha. Parents were shown a one-minute clip of highlights to give them the sense of a broadcast on the NFL. So the NFL did a, a Nickelodeon version of a, a football game just to see if the kids would like want to see Drew Brees get slimed in green goo. And the answer was pretty much so, yeah. It was soccer, football, and then it came to baseball, and there was no interest. You couldn't get the kids to watch it. So eSports is something we're going to be talking about in the future. As a lot of millennials and Generation Alpha say to themselves, I don't really have the ability to play sports physically, but I can do things with my fingers that can earn me millions of dollars. And it's again, I'm not thinking your kid's going to be that millionaire from eSports. I'm thinking your kid's going to watch that millionaire in eSports. So I want to pay attention to those sponsors too. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me at line at robblackshow.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. One of the things I want to do in the future is go back to the past. I started doing financial media back mid-1990s. It was right during the tech boom. It was a good time to have me on because I knew a lot about technology. You would say it was probably my forte at that point in time. My research centered heavily around it. Personally, I think that does you well to go back in time. I used to do on a micro level of on Saturdays, I would reread five days of the Wall Street Journal. And I used to get the Wall Street Journal delivered to my office and First things first, you know, you'd go through it and I would black marker anything that looked interesting. And then on Saturdays, I would go back and say, did that turn into anything or was that just a fluffy PR piece? And probably early on in my career, I learned that PR news is some of the most dangerous news for investing. That's why I wanted to find articles written by journalists who had a business background and not necessarily journalists who were 22 years old out of college trying to move away from mom and dad and really didn't know about the story they were covering. They were just trying to turn in 250 words, their editor. 
later in life, these same 22-year-olds now are writing articles about clickbait. PR news is some of the scariest news out there. Um, let me give you an example. In the year of 2020, during the COVID, the COVID as I'm referring to it now, it's turned into this weird pronoun or noun kind of thing. I did a story for television on Prince Harry and Princess Meghan and how they were moving to Santa Barbara and how real estate in Santa Barbara is probably going to go up because more celebrities will want to be in that town. If it's good enough for Prince Harry and a princess, it's good enough for me, right? And then you start getting into some of the millennials who buy into the royal crap. <laughs> for lack of a better word, I don't get it. Kind of a, this is a phrase that could get me in trouble, but I'm telling you that, so it's not as controversial as I'm making it out to be. But they're not inbred, but royalty is thing of the past and it's a thing of the past for a reason except for yeah they do great charitable work but they're doing it at the taxpayers dollars that's weird to me we should have such a royal family in the united states and it should be known as the blacks of california my last name's black i'm not doing a black lives matter thing either way but my biggest story of last year was talking about how prince harry and princess megan are moving to santa barbara I got 50,000 hits on that thing. That's too much. My typical is probably 2,000. If it's a good one, like Elon Musk's stock goes up 100 million percent. Nothing compared to talking about the Royals. I'm throwing that out there for you just again to say I was loosely tying that to Santa Barbara real estate. And Santa Barbara is, I think, one of the greatest cities in California. And some of the beach communities that surround it, especially northern of Santa Barbara, near the San Luis Obispo area, I think are really delightful and quite quite lovely. Um, but not the density of people that I would say that's going to be a great real estate investment in my lifetime. My lifetime is age 20 to 60. Realistically, in real estate, my lifetime is 30 to 50 as an investor. And then from age 50 to 100, I kind of want to start unwinding some of these lifetime investments. So the number one story I did was on these two, for the record, I've got family that stayed up in the, to the middle of the night to watch them get married. Deep into the middle of the night and like, oh, she's a princess. Not my thing to live vicariously through others, but I get it. So the thing that you're going to have that I want you to just be aware of is be fearful of PRs huge influence on you. In my first segment, I talked about Generation Alpha and how the MLS is growing in popularity. Really, the Premier League and the, the Spanish leagues. A little German as well. I'm not going to take away from the Germans here. The French, not so much. Italy, eh, they don't have anything going on on a professional soccer league level that has drawn enough interest in the United States outside of expatriates. In my opinion, yeah, you got Ronaldo playing, greatest player in the world, but it's not enough to really move the needle in the United States. So I'm talking a little bit about trends, and I'm talking about PR news. One of the PR news for years and years and years turned into a trend, and that's electric vehicles. 
one analyst is saying he believes electric vehicles in the year 2021 could rise 50% as a group from this point on. Now, he's not just talking Tesla, which is the interesting thing. So he's talking about the whole industry. is It's finally woken up, and it's more real. There's more deliveries. Every week you can open the internet news and see a flashing new electric vehicle design, whether it be a truck, a sedan, a really fast one, or one that goes really far distance. Every week you see the news now. So Daniel Ives published a research report talking about electric vehicles that could climb another 50% this year. Now, I'm not looking from the, ooh, let's go out and make 50% angle. I'm thinking more, there's four phases in a stock's life. Typically a hyper-growth phase, where the company's growing revenues and they don't really care about earnings. Then you have that cash flow and you're, you're putting it back into your business to have that from hyper-growth revenue, hyper-growth revenue. You put it back into your business. You're putting it back in your business. And you hit that growth and you suddenly have earnings. So in a PE, an evaluation metric, not a PR fluff piece, you're no longer talking about one day we're going to earn money. Now you're earning money. So there's hyper-growth, no earnings needed. Growth, you need some earnings. Then the company gets a little bit older. And suddenly there's not a lot to innovate onto, and it becomes a growth and income stock. A good example of that for me, let's think about that for a second. I'm going to come back to that one because I kind of want to finish this idea. So a company becomes more growth and income oriented. So at that point in time, they're probably growing 8%, plus they're kicking off 2 to 3% of dividend yields. That's pretty good. That's not bad. There's no shame in that. I'd say maybe a, a visa is a little bit of a growth in it. Eh, I, don't, I don't really want to put that into your head. I want you to stay pure with this thought. There's hyper growth revenues, earnings don't matter. Then there's growth where it's all about, let's see how much money is this company going to make millions or billions. Then there's going to be growth and income where they're not going to grow as fast as they used to. And you're going to be a little bit disappointed, but you're going to need a little bit more income. And then there's finally the state of income. Like think about utilities where they're paying a little bit higher dividend yield, three, four, five percent to keep you interested because it's not growing. That's the four stages of a company. Be careful of the PR phase of companies. I'm Rob Black talking things financial. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. So I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. And on the 6 o'clock show, new focus on wealth with Rob Black. It's a compliment show to the CFP Chad Burton show, Focus on Wealth. I'm going to try to give you more principles and, and guidelines on what to look for to see winners. I've already talked about Generation Alpha and how we're starting to get some reports about their sports that they like and don't like. Kids who are basically eight years old or younger. Now, that sounds ridiculous because you're like, they don't even have a cyber wallet yet. You're right but they're going to grow up in a generation of only having cyber wallets. So I'm going to start thinking about how they're going to spend sooner than later. And I'm going to start throwing investment ideas into that 10, 20, 30, 40 year time frame. 
Now, again, I don't have that time frame left because I'm a Generation Xer. And I'm in the latter stages of growth investing. Not totally true. And you, know, you have to be open-minded to changes. But I wanted to have enough money before I hit 60 to live till the day I die. I think I have enough money to live till the day I die. And at this point in time, it's more like gravy. And you can get to a point, in my opinion, where there's too much gravy. I know you're saying there's never too much gravy. But I'm watching Generation Alpha. And that led to the second segment today where I talked about electric vehicles, where one analyst said, this is a trend that they can grow at 50% this year. Now, again, I'm not trying to titillate you with the, ooh, come over here, get a 50% return. The stock market only gives 8% returns. Ooh, come over here. What I'm trying to say is this used to be a PR thing. And a lot of people still believe electric vehicles are press releases. Like, look at that that truck. I've never seen one on the road, but it, one day they say 18-wheelers are going to be electric and get this. They're not going to have drivers, which is one of the scariest things in the world to me. If you've ever seen an 18-wheeler jackknife and it's coming towards you, it will put a stain in your clothes. Let's just put it that way. So I'm looking for trends, but I'm trying to filter out press releases so that I'm not in the trend too early. And when Tesla had one year of making profits, it became more legit. And again, MC Hammer, too legit, too legit to quit. Very, very, how shall we say, um, catchy. So when Musk got the electric vehicle to one year of, of profitability at Tesla, when a couple years before, I'm like, it's just a press release. They'll never earn money. They're burning money. Oh, they earn money? I became much more interested. Same thing with Bitcoin. At this point in time, it's much more press release than real world. There's a lot to the blockchain technology, which is much more real world, but that's a little bit tougher to invest in. Yes, I do think Bitcoin is around for the long term. No, I do not think it's investable for most people who are listening. Investable. Speculative? Yes. Investable? Uh, there's not enough proof there yet. When you're out with your buddy and they're willing to part with Bitcoin over a football ticket. I know you're saying, go out with buddy. What is this concept you talk about? Leave your home and go to a football game? Square up the night at the end of it so you're not a mooch? When you're doing that transaction in Bitcoin, it'll be too late. But those are the things that you're looking for. In my opinion, consult a broker advisor for taking action on any stocks ever mentioned. But I talked about the importance of, of passing over press releases. So I think Elon Musk opened the door, in my opinion, for all electric vehicle makers now. If they could show a path to profitability, it suddenly becomes a whole sector you could invest in, right? So Daniel Ives wrote a research report, not a press release. These are boring to read. These are inane. There's no twist. There's no, she was the killer all the time and she got away with it. There's no smoking gun. Daniel Ives has made me more money as a thinker than he has as a stock picker. He's good. He was early on to the last eight years of Apple's massive run. He was around, he was bullish. He stuck with the story, the story changed. So I'm always going to pay attention to him. He's a good thinker in my mind. Not a good press releaser, not a good stock picker. I don't know him. He doesn't know me. He doesn't know my risk level. So if he says that he thinks 
Tesla's going to go up $52 from this point, and now is the time to buy. I'm not going to jump. But I'd like the way he thinks. And getting inside that investor think set is a big part of winning. He said that he expects the electric vehicle industry to grow to a $5 trillion market over the next decade. So now in my spreadsheet, I can put 2020, 2021, 2022, 2022, three, and I could put 10 years and put at the end of it, $5 trillion. And then you could start saying, okay, who's going to get the bulk of that lion's share? Tesla's got first mover advantage. That's not something to goof off at. So he uses the terms in his research report. He believes it's a renaissance of growth for automakers. You're going to see a re-rating at companies like General Motors and Ford. It's not just electric vehicle makers that analysts are bullish on. He has pointed out six electric vehicle battery specialists with significant potential upside. I know you're saying, tell me about those, tell me about those, tell me about because you're greedy. I'll get there. He thinks Tesla is apart from other electric vehicle makers as now they've also gotten into cryptocurrency, which is speculative, but it's also a path to growth, potentially, when the electric vehicle side starts to slow down, which it's not going to for the next 10 years. So if I was 20 years old, and I'm not, I might say, I get these electric vehicle things. I can see the trend there. All my friends are gonna have them. Or then you get into like, what if, we, what if cars go away? Oh man, you just messed up a good segment, Rob, right? Um, but when I was 20, I looked at computers and I go, oh, Turning this thing on, it sounds like a nuclear reactor getting activated. It hummed. The screen was monochrome. It was orange digits. It was awful. When you would make a video game back when I was 20 years old, a lot of the times it was, well, back when I was 10, it was like bright orange and dark orange. And those were your two colors you could work with or black. It wasn't good. And I saw there's a future here because I'm kind of interested in video games and this has to get better. And that getting better is a cost of investment. And let's say I made a lot of money from investing in trends when I was in my 20s. In my 20s, I remember reading research reports about baby boomers. They're so old. One's retiring every 10 seconds. Like that's the type of research that made me a lot of money because I put together people retiring with pharmaceuticals. So when Merck's Viagra came out, I was like, okay, people over 60 want to have a love life. I get it. I'm not going to get too graphic here. They get to their doctor and the doctor's like, hey, how are things? And they're like, well, love life could be a little more interesting. The doctor asks a lot of questions. Make sure that there are potential candidates. And says, Here's a prescription with that little blue pill. Merck's Viagra. Or is it Pfizer's back, right? Which one puts hair on your head and which one does the erectile dysfunction thing? Well, the point being is there's only four major pharmaceutical companies. They're solving things like putting hair on our head and diabetes. And uh, Well, they're not solving diabetes, but they're working on ways to make your life with diabetes better. And as a nation, we're not as much into exercise, but future generations are. But older generations are finding as you get older, you lose your ability to, to bounce back. So... 
anyway, there's trends to be seen and there's a lot of money to be made. If I was 20 years old today, I'd be all about electric vehicles. Maybe, maybe I'd be intrigued by Bitcoin, but I'm also going to be speculative because I don't see the earnings path. Yet in blockchain, I see it, but in Bitcoin in particular, I, I don't see, like I said, me and my buddy squaring up because I could see in 10 years from now, I'm going like, hey, Andrew, thanks for taking me to the Warriors game. How much did I owe you for tonight? Ah, you don't owe me anything. I'm like, let me just, let me send you 200 Bitcoin. And I can see I'm like, I don't really believe in Bitcoin. I'm a dollar guy. I like good old dollars. So uh, you get the idea, right? So it's a double-edged sword on what's going on with electric vehicles right now. It's a trend. There's some profitability. There's some old players like GM and Ford where we go, how are they going to come out of this? And the answer is a ton of investment. The good news for Tesla is that GM and Ford are late to the game. And Tesla's already been able to tinker with their hypergrowth users, their enthusiasts. And it's typically the, the enthusiast who pays the premium. But the truth be told, they're also the, the premium brand. They are the Coca-Cola. They're not, they're not the Rite Aid soda, but it's not quite the same as a cold Coke. <laughs> they're not the uh, signature select soda, which they assure me has the exact same ingredients and the exact same. No, there's something slightly different. Is it the branding? Maybe. Mm, I could taste the branding in that. But there's something very, very tangible about saying, I wish I can go back to my 20s. And what you could do as an investor right now, as I'm in my 50s, I can say, I want some exposure to what the 20-year-olds are investing in. But, and when I say investing, spending their dollars on. I could see a 25-year-old getting in a car with a 25-year-old and go, oh, you've got a gas combustion engine? Grody. I know you're saying they don't use the word grody anymore. Oh, my kid passed me. He's got more social activists, users, followers than I do. You know what his, his webpage is? He's a hamster. And he does videos as a hamster. And he's got more followers than I do. And how long did it take him to, to catch me as a trend? One weekend versus 30 years. Dad, I'm a hamster. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. This song has a little James Brown vibe to it. Now, anyone who likes James Brown is going to go, no. Maybe it's got a little Bruno Mars feel to it. Anyone who loves Bruno Mars is like, no. We as generations kind of lock into things. I got to see James Brown in concert, which for the record, I think he was way before my generation. But I was smart enough when I was in my 20s to, to say, let's go out on a date. And I'd ask girls out on dates. So like, so what do you want to do before I say yes or no kind of thing? And my game was to find like great musicians, um, whether it was Brian Setzer and the Stray Cats and say, hey, there's this swanky band playing. I think you'll like them. And they're like, oh, I've heard of them. James Brown was one of them. I got to see James Brown. It's, it's something I did not regret. When he came into town, I was probably the youngest person there. 
but man, could that man perform. Um, and we'll all have something like that. And again, to people who love Bruno Mars, people are like, oh, Bruno Mars, man, that guy can perform. No one performs as well as he does. And what I'm getting at is, I don't know who the James Brown or the um, Bruno Mars is today of that gener- of the new generation. Don't have time for it. Research takes time, right? Another great concert I saw, um, Johnny Cash. I'd heard he was great, and then I did a lot of research on it, because when you're on a date, you kind of want to have things to talk about. And Johnny Cash was meant to be Elvis Presley until Elvis Presley came along. He was destined to be America's rock and roll star. He had a TV show. He was popular. Celebrities went on it. He, w- he was all that in a bucket of chicken, and Elvis comes on and gets on a little TV show and, and moves his hips left and right and left and right, and, well, it, the world went crazy. And Johnny Cash turned to alcohol. And the rest is history. So just that little bit of music got me thinking about younger generations and what they do and how much research it is and isn't. So this whole hour I've been talking about what is a press release versus what is a real company. To me, a real company has a life cycle. Hyper growth, growth, growth and income, income. I think it's important that you identify where your companies fall so you can see the expectations. If in two years from it, Tesla should be more of a growth company now, which there's nothing wrong with growth, but it's hyper growth area should be over because now it's earning money. Now we can say, okay, did you earn more this year versus last year? So one of the trends that I was talking about is Daniel Ives saying, you know, I see all car companies going up 50% this year, electric vehicle companies. He just thinks the trend has turned into, let's watch for more profits. It's kind of like the a whale pod. You see one and then you see like, oh, there's actually 10 of them under the water. How cute, right? But he talks about electric vehicles and the companies that are doing the batteries for the electric vehicles. And you should do some research on electric vehicle battery makers and find if there's any that are for you because they could still be in the hyper growth phase as they're going to be supplying the bullets and ammunition for the guns race with all car companies trying to electrify their fleet. Volkswagen's interestingly doing a pretty darn good job with electric vehicle batteries. Of which, if you get a chance to see electric vehicle batteries, because when you open the hood, there's no engine. If you get a chance to see how the technology is implemented with a YouTube video, I highly recommend it. It's going to beat out, this is also on NBC, um, as far as total views go. And I think the world's getting more popular or intrigued. Anyway, I'm totally digressing. I apologize. 800-516-1220 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Let me give you an example of hypergrowth versus income. A company like a Pepsi or Coca-Cola will go out and invest in a water company. And typically, it'll come up with a really cute name like Poland Spring, uh, where you're like, oh, this comes from spring water. Spring water is better than regular water, right? And you're, we're sold this whole crap Perrier from the mountain glaciers of France. It's really just from a tap in upstate New York, but we don't know. It's well marketed, which goes in that whole press release thing again, right? Marketing how susceptible we are. Uh, If I can go back in time and watch just the NFL or the most popular sports of the day, 
and who's buying advertising. You could probably do very well with that. It's like the idea of um, go watch the Indianapolis 500 or the Daytona 500. I, I don't even know if those are real races anymore. I'm just assuming they are because I'm out of touch with the race car world. But I once went to a race car event and it dawned on me like, you know, it's, it, they sell the most amount of tickets in the country of all sporting events. More Americans attend. I, I don't even know the name of the cars. Indy cars, uh, the Daytona cars. I, I want to call them a K car, but I think that was a Chrysler car in the 1980s with Lee Iacocca. More Americans buy tickets and attend events at raceways than go to the NFL games. And when you start hearing that, you're like, okay, let's take a look at the advertising. There's actually a company that goes out and takes, there's a mutual fund, which became an ATF exchange traded fund, that they'll actually go out and take a look at all the sponsors of Daytona and put them in a stock portfolio. Back in the early 2000s, it became kind of cute for some companies to say, let's, let's, let's build a portfolio ourselves. There were companies like buy and hold, and you could go out and buy one half of a share of Philip Morris. You can go out and buy one half a share of Coca-Cola or one half of a share of Procter Gamble because they did the Tide car. And suddenly you've got all the sponsors of race car in your portfolio. And the most amount of Americans go, and they tend we tend to support things, whether we do it consciously or subconsciously. But I just throw that out there because I think we're marketed pretty slickly in life. And uh, I just want you to continue to pay attention and stay aware. Be very aware. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. 